0: Welcome to Slaughterhouse Stories. I hope you enjoy the stories I have for you tonight. You things that go bump in the night. Hello to all you fleshbag humans as well. Welcome to the show that brings you creepy pastas, short scary stories, and dark horror-themed poetry from all across the world. This is the Slaughterhouse Stories Podcast, Episode 27, Fresh New Start. I'm your host and narrator, Ghost Dream, telling you to lock your doors, get under your blanket, and keep the lights on. You can follow the show on Twitter. At Iced underscore demon, or on Instagram at Slaughter underscore house underscore stories, and discuss all things spooky with me. Also, if you would like to write in and have your email read on the show, email slaughterhouse stories podcast at gmail.com with creepypasta requests or your own real life paranormal encounters. Before we get to tonight's first story, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave a review through iTunes. And help spread the word to your friends, family, that little doll that always shows up in random places. Whomever, tell them, be a listener, not a victim. Now, let's get spooky. To start us off tonight is a story by Cadaver about a couple who find themselves entering a cave. Nathan had thought his wife, Margaret, wanted to explore caves with him. And what better one than this one? The name was fitting, and he thought she'd love it. She did not, but it doesn't really matter in the end, because this cave was a lot different than what they thought they were walking into. Hear all about what becomes of the happy couple as you listen to God's Mouth. I huffed and puffed under my breath as I stared into God's mouth. I felt like the big bad wolf, ready to interrupt the three innocent little pigs. As they hurriedly fortified their makeshift homes, I grinned at this thought, and then turned my head to look for Margaret. She was a couple of feet down the hill from the entrance of the cave, holding a walking stick close to her petite breasts. Hurry up, I called down to her. I turned back to the cave, still grinning. An old rotted sign outside read God's Mouth Cave. Keep out. What a tired cliche. Margaret finally made it down to the entrance and stood beside me, almost doubled over and out of breath. I looked down and smiled. Check it out, I laughed. God's mouth. Wonder where Jesus' anus is. I chuckled to myself. Margaret was less amused. Give me the damn water bottle, she said, exasperated. The open bottle met her lips. And for a moment I felt peaceful in a way, watching her drink the water. Actually, I take that back. The peaceful comment, I mean. It was more of a feeling that was sort of hard to put my finger on or give a name but I could settle for a nice, content. Content seemed to be one of those words that manifest itself when natural human words seemed to fail. Again, an utter cliché, but it felt good to feel strange, mixed up sort of happy for once. I sighed and turned my flashlight on. I pointed it into the cave. Black. God's mouth. This seemed like the antithesis of a Holy Spirit. I turned again to Margaret. You ready? I asked. She was finally standing straight up. She nodded. I clapped a friendly hand to her back, and we walked into God's mouth. The inside was not unlike the preview I glimpsed outside with my flashlight. Dark, dismal, and endlessly black. It seemed to stretch endlessly, no matter how I positioned my flashlight. The rocky terrain was damp and imposing. The last natural light slowly disappeared behind Margaret and I as we made our way deeper and deeper. I found it strange how soft and compelling the road around me now appeared. Despite the stalactites to like mites and other various rocky formations being so jagged. It seemed that even amongst the pointed teeth of God, I could lay down and rest there forever. It was comfortable. Apparently, Margaret didn't agree. She shivered uncomfortably under my arm. I raised my eyebrow. Need your coat? I asked. I tried to look at her and make non communication as explicit as possible until I realized that we were lost in the inky blackness of the mouth. I bit my lip and waited. But she didn't respond. For a couple minutes, we walked in silence. She stopped and stood motionless. I stopped too. Why the hell are we even in here? She said. She sounded irritated. I shrugged. More to appease myself than her and shoved my flashlight under my face. Bladed shadows obscured half my face, the other half illuminated in a wretched mask. Spooky. I cried, chuckling. She didn't move. I sighed. I thought you wanted to go, I said. I noticed how my voice echoed against the cave walls at any volume. I mean, I began again, scratching my chin. You did say you wanted to go see some nature on our vacation, and you did sound impressed when I told you about my visit to Mammoth Caves a couple of years back. So... My voice dropped off. I could still sense her irritation. No, she said. I frowned. No, you wanted to go here. I wanted to go to a beach or something, but no, a cave. A cave, Nathan, she sounded more like the big bad wolf now. I know that you have this weird fetish for spelunking or something, but I don't really want to be dragged into it. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to go on a trip and get in nature and fresh air, but this? I could hear her arms flail and gesture about in the thick air. This is cave air, not fresh air. This air is practically fermenting. Plus, isn't this illegal? Can we please just leave?" We both stood there. The only sound that could be heard was the electricity in the air, being stifled and smothered by the damp atmosphere. Finally, I began to walk. I didn't hear Margaret follow me, but I kept moving forward. Then, Nathan, she said, stop, please stop. So I stopped. I'm sorry, she said, I could hear her moving closer to me. I'm tired. And I'm just not used to running and climbing around and the like. I'm just tired. It's okay, I said. She gripped my arm. Really, it's fine. I shook my head. Which way is out? I don't remember. I could feel Margaret physically pause. Neither of us could remember. Somehow, in the confusion of our argument, I would forgotten which way we had been moving. Idiot, I thought to myself. I should have brought a goddamn rope or something to trail from the entrance of the cave. I had to take action, so, without much thought, I turned 180 degrees and said, this way. We walked for what seemed to be hours. My feet were tired and sore, and I could hear Margaret's groans from behind me. She held my hand tightly. I felt terrible. This was my fault. Then, I froze. Hey, hey, I said, put your hand out. feel this rock. I could hear Margaret's bare palm press against the stone. Isn't this, like, abnormally warm? I said. She didn't say anything. I began to work my way along the wall, feeling it as I went, shining the flashlight in front of me. Suddenly, I felt a sharp pain in my head as the ceiling of God's mouth met with my scalp. Ow, shit! I shouted. Oh, Nathan, are you okay? Margaret asked. She seemed on the verge of panic now. I'm fine, I said. Please, calm down. We'll get out of here soon. I promise. I started again, pointing my flashlight upwards now, to see the ceiling above me. It seemed to be getting narrower. That was strange. Listen, uh, Margaret, babe. I said through clenched teeth. I think we gotta turn around. Margaret sighed next to me. Again, we walked for a decent length. I kept my flashlight pointed upwards this time. Sure enough... The space in the cave seemed to become smaller and smaller. If there was any resonating light left in God's mouth aside from my flashlight, I'm sure Margaret would have been able to see the whites of my eyes. Spreading in panic, we were completely lost. I let go of Margaret's hand and began to feverishly feel my way along the walls. No, Nathan! I heard her shout. I kept going. We had to get out. If we were lost, nobody would be able to find us. I kept feeling along the wall until I abruptly hit a corner. Fuck, I said aloud. Margaret, this seems to be a dead end. I spun around on my heel. Margaret, no answer. Shit. I began to repeat my process again, almost running as I felt the wall run past my fingertips. Cool, damp rocks and jagged spears. Suddenly, I found myself at a corner again. Fuck, 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 I shouted. Margaret, I was belting her name out now. In the corner of the cave's mall, where I'd been thwarted so many times already, I heard a noise. It sounded like muffled static from a television. I pressed my ear against the rock. It seemed to be getting even warmer now. I heard the faint sounds of Margaret on the other side of the rock. She was screaming. No, 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 I said. No, 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 no. I began running haphazardly into the walls around me. With dawning realization came a wave of sheer horror. There was no entrance, there was no exit, only these four corners and me. I could feel blood begin to trickle from the cut I managed to get by bashing my brain into the cave's walls. They were closing in on me, they were coming in for the kill, and soon they would be pressing in on my skull and crushing my ribcage. I sat there for hours, waiting for death. My flashlight was becoming dim and blinking. Finally, I felt the soft touch of these rocky walls. Pressed against my back, I began to cry as I lay down on the ground. I let my flashlight roll on the small hills of stone, as I quietly stayed prone, tears dripping down my face. I turned, and looked at my flashlight; its last fading beams of light pointed at something not far away from my face. I squinted in the darkness, my eyes widening. And I now felt tears fall even harder from my face. The rocks were piercing my skin now, and blood dripped from all sides. There. In the last light of my flashlight was the appetizer. The spotlight shone on a hand whose nails were painted red, and I screamed in agony as I watched God's mouth chew its latest meal. Well, at least Nathan doesn't have to worry about how mad Margaret was. Nothing like eating a couple of flesh bags to start your day. Hopefully, more and more of you go feed the hungry God. Gods need to eat too, after all. So don't be selfish. Go explore that cave. And while some of you go exploring, those of you not being dinner can move along to the next story with me. I promise I won't eat you. Well, not all of you. This story brings us to the end of mankind, where the very earth itself has grown tired of you flesh bags and decides to rid itself of the virus of man. In a story that shows how helpless mankind can really be, Stick close, find the high ground, and try to stay safe during... End of Man. I think this might be the end. For us, anyway. You know, man and all that we've accomplished. I've had plenty of time to think about it since the last time I saw the sun. The last time I'd ever see it. It's not the end of the world, but it is for us. I guess it started almost a month ago, but it could be longer. There's only the clocks, scattered around the house, to tell me how long, and half of them are dead now. Anyway, I'm straying from the point. It was on the news. A cruise ship sank for no reason. It wasn't damaged. It was just pulled straight down. The rest of the story soon flooded in. Everything in the water was sinking. Oil rigs disappeared. People on the beach were just pulled down into the abyss. Nobody seemed able to explain why this was happening. Nothing floated anymore. It was bizarre. This filled the news for a couple days, until it just got frightening. It was during one broadcast that it changed for the worse. It was a report from some beach, an on-location report about this strange phenomenon. They were just recycling the same question we'd all been asking for days. Suddenly, panic seemed to grip the face of the reporter. She screamed as the camera quickly tilted down. Her feet were sunk into the sand down to her shin. I remember smirking, thinking it was just some overly sensitive reporter messing up. And then the camera dropped. The remaining ten or so seconds that followed showed not just the reporter sinking into the sand, but all of them. The whole media circus had descended on the beach to cover the same story. The reporter, who was down to her shin a minute ago, was now down to her chest. The shot of writhing, screaming, sinking people ended shortly as the camera was engulfed by the sand. The news stayed on for a few more days, but there was nothing to say. Some blamed sinkholes for what happened on the beach, while others argued against them from the safety of their downtown studio. The news was a waste of time now. It was much easier to look out the window. It was more or less a ghost town outside. Everyone was inside, afraid to leave their homes. It didn't seem to make sense. The roads and pavements were being absorbed by grass and dirt. Street signs and traffic lights were being consumed by the plants. Houses weren't exempt either. Some people tried to run, jumping from rooftop to rooftop, looking for higher ground. Occasionally, while flicking through what was off of the TV broadcast, you would see skyscrapers that had become refugee camps. I had made one trip out of the house since this started, across the rooftops. It was an attempt to get supplies from a nearby supermarket, but that plan seemed to be a waste of time. The store was a husky by the time I got there. It was looted and pillaged. There was all the evidence I needed to see how bad this whole thing was. It's easy to be in denial about something like whatever this was, until it really seemed to affect you. When I got back to my house, I noticed something. My car was gone. Well, almost. You could still see the top poking out from the overgrowth and loose soil. It wasn't just my car, it was all of them. Bigger vehicles were still in sight, only partially obscured, but they were going down too. A few days later, My whole bottom floor was subterranean. I had managed to block the windows and door from bursting in from all the dirt and soil. But it was just a cell now. A mausoleum. It wasn't somewhere I wanted to be. I spent most of my time by an upstairs window, staring at the hostile world outside. My neighbor died yesterday. He fell off of his roof and was swallowed by the earth. He's not the first to do that either. What made it notable was why he fell. He was just trying to stop his dog from getting out. The dog's fine, or I assume so. It ran off. Animals aren't affected. This is our fate. That nihilistic little discovery was too much for me to bear. This whole thing was a living nightmare. I hit the bottle hard and passed out for the night. When I woke up, my head pounded in darkness. I flicked the light switches and the fuses, but the power was out. I took the flashlight by the fuse box and looked around the house for supplies. While checking the upstairs, I saw it. It was the last glimpse of natural light I'll ever see. I'd been thinking it was just night, that I'd slept all day in an alcohol coma. By the time I could cross the room to the window, it was gone. I was underground. I tried to get out, smashing through plaster and tiles, to be greeted with a stream of soil pouring out from where the sky should be. I don't know how much longer I've gotten here, in my house-sized coffin. There's only so much food and air. I've got a little bit of light, from a couple of candles in a book of matches. The flashlight died some time ago, but this is our fate, humanity's fate, our return to the earth. From the earth you came and to the earth you return, plants and animals once again living free in a world without humans messing it up. It just goes to show you if the Earth wants humans gone, humans are gone. Well, before the rest of you get pulled down into the Earth, let me give you this week's recommendation. This week, I am actually repeating a recommendation since tonight's main feature is a story written by me and I had reached out to to Alive dolls and asked her to create a doll that matched my story and I was not disappointed. The doll is incredible and perfectly matches the doll I created in my story. So if you like haunted, scary, creepy-looking dolls, please follow to Live Dolls, all one word, on Instagram. And visit her Etsy page at etsy.com shop slash to Dolls to see what is available. And if you don't see a doll that truly terrifies you, you can reach out and ask her to do a custom creation for you. It's not expensive at all, and it will be perfect. So, before you hear the sounds of hundreds of tiny doll feet coming to get you, go check out and follow to Alive Dolls. Now that I've given you this week's recommendation, let's take a trip down to Open Mic Night at Beazel Pub. Welcome, fiends, to Open Mic Night at Beazel Pub, where we invite you to sit right here and go into the more poetic side of fear. Poems of murder, creatures and ghosts, all the things that scare you the most. This week, here he is again, Edgar Allan Poe, but not just Poe, in this first poem, about a feeling we were all too familiar with, the feeling that the best days are behind us. Not only is there Poe's words, but also verses written by Tamerlan. An Ending of a Mike Night is a poem by Etherbot about a child noticing something being very wrong with their father, and making a horrific discovery underneath their father's bed. Let's allow the verses to take us away from here. Lean back and enjoy the happiest day and the body. The happiest day, the happiest hour, my seared and blighted heart is known. The brightest glance of pride and power, I feel hath flown. Of power, said I, yes, such I ween, but it has vanished Long, alas, the visions of my youth have been, but let them pass. And pride, what have I now with thee? Another brow may even inherit. The venom thou hast poured on me. Be still my spirit. The smile of love, soft friendship's charm. Bright hope itself has fled at last. It will never again my bosom warm, tis ever passed. The happiest day, the happiest hour, mine eyes shall ever see have ever seen the brightest glance of pride and power i feel has been but where that hope of pride and power now offered with the pain even then i felt that brightest hour i would not live again for on its wing was dark alloy and as it fluttered fell an essence powerful to destroy a soul that knew it well There is a body underneath my father's bed. I do not know who put it there. I heard a sound there the other day and glanced there underneath. I think I saw its teeth in its head. I noticed that my father's eyes look very strange and that his face is not the same. He doesn't speak much anymore. He only grunts and stares and then goes back upstairs every day. I do not like to go into my father's room. I never know what will be in there. Sometimes I think I'll glance inside and see the body dancing. On the bed, it's standing in the gloom. I dream at night, the body comes and walks around, and its eyes are spinning in its head. It moves like it's got words to say, and its arms are limp and swaying, with words it isn't saying, without sound. My father's room is dusty, and his wood is bare. The windows always shut or closed. It's very old and scratchy, and I'm not allowed at dark, to come inside at all, up and there. My father wobbles when he walks and tilts his head. His door is always locked and closed. Today I saw him talk a bit and saw his yellow teeth look like the body underneath my father's bed. I wonder, with things left unsaid, if father sleeps beneath his bed. Poe knew quite well what so many have felt through the years that our best days are long, long gone. And how fun was that last one? One of my kind, actually using a human like a flesh bag and dancing around the body and having a wonderful time pretending. Bravo to you, my friend. Bravo. Now, while we contemplate how many of you are actually being used in the same way, let's head out of the pub. We don't have to go home, but we can get ready for tonight's main feature. Slaughterhouse Originals. This month, I present to you a short creepypasta I wrote about a little doll named Julia, trying to escape her terrible past, only to find it following her once again. No matter how far she runs, it's the same result. Now as she's settling in with a new family, she sees it happening all over again. Let's see what happens for our little doll friend. While you listen to Fresh New Start. Julia thought everything was going to be okay. She thought she was going to be okay. She thought the painful memories and the torment of the past wouldn't follow her. That this fresh new start meant a happy ending for her, finally. She missed her old home so much most days. The laughter and the playing. The love she felt from her mommy and grandma. Her uncles would play tricks on her mommy, using her. Sure, it could come off as a little mean, but some of them were really quite funny. Like when they hid her so that mommy couldn't find her for an hour or so. Her mommy and grandma were so angry at Uncle Chris, but when mommy finally found her, she got the tightest hug she'd ever gotten from her, and that made the trick worth it. But the things that happened still haunt her. The clothes may be gone, and they may have washed the blood from her innocent looking face, but the memories still stain her in ways that can never be cleaned off. Have you ever had to watch your entire family, everyone you love, killed and brutal? and horrific ways. No? Then how could you hope to understand Julia? And how much she hoped everything was going to be better now? But it wasn't. It was only temporary. Once again, Julia's new family took her in for a few years. And then the talk started. Mary's getting a bit older. Perhaps it's time for her to get rid of all her dolls. All of her dolls? What? No. Not again. Julia was as angry as ever. Why? Why was yet another family going to just throw her away after they brought her home and promised to love her forever? Why? This was the fourth family and it didn't get any easier. The look on Granny's face as she opened her eyes to find Julia, tiny, innocent-looking Julia in her purple dress with pink and white flowers and an orchid in her hair, holding the claw side of a hammer point down. Granny was too shocked to move And suddenly, Julia's pretty dress, her perfect skin, and her pretty auburn hair was splashed with the deep crimson of Granny's blood as she brought the hammer down over and over and over again. She didn't expect to hear Mary gasp behind her. She thought she'd have time to be quiet, but Mary took off running, and Julia was running quickly behind her. Mary was terrified, and that fear is what led to her tripping and falling down the steps, banging her head and knocking herself out when she reached the bottom. Mary awoke to find herself tied to a chair in the living room. She didn't understand how Julia lifted a 16-year-old girl into the chair. She didn't understand any of this. Julia is just a doll, a stupid, silly, ragged doll. But that didn't stop Julia from screaming at her, that she shouldn't have been so willing to leave her, that she said she'd love her forever. She was nothing but a liar, like all the other ones. Fine, if this is the way you want it to be, then Julia would treat you like the rest. You could have been friends forever, she says, as she pours gasoline over Mary. You could have given her to your daughter, and so on and so on, for fifty or a hundred years. But no, you'd rather throw her away, your oldest friend. Well, Julia said, have it your way. Someone else will take me in. And with that, Julia struck a match and threw it on to Mary. The only thing louder than the fire engine sirens were the screams for the first few moments and the sound of laughter. The fire department put out the fire, but it was too late. It was obvious people were murdered, but they couldn't find much evidence. All they found was an innocent-looking doll, splattered with blood, but otherwise unharmed. Alex Florio was just a rookie with the fire department, but still, he knew he shouldn't be removing evidence. This doll, Julia he decided to call it, though he didn't know why needed to go with the police to help solve the case, but he couldn't help it. With a good washing, this doll would be the perfect gift for his daughter. Little Julia just wants to love and be loved, but keeps being thrown away. Who doesn't know that feeling? Humans are so cruel. It's no wonder she felt she had to teach them all a lesson. All of them, Julia. All of them. Hopefully, the next family that brings her home will actually be the family for her. Or, you know, they'll die too. Now, I believe there's enough scares for this week. I hope you will join me again next week for more stories that are sure to keep you afraid during the day and awake at night. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the stories that I had for you tonight. And until next time... spooky